This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Paul Stone and Bruce Marshall. We're doing it all for the 32 matchups in the first round, Thursday and Friday here on the Bet Rivers Network on the Sports Better's Paradise. And let's get to it. Uh, Thursday evening, 6.50 Eastern tip between the number nine Auburn Tigers, one and 152.5 over the number eight seed Iowa Hawkeyes. Jeez, to start off with, these two coaches, a little bit of a personality uh, matchup here as McCaffrey with his stare downs. Bruce Pearl, well, he's as charismatic as they get. Paul, 8-9 uh, matchup. They're always pretty good. We've got a tight line here at Bet Rivers as well. Yeah, got another uh, SEC uh, Big Ten uh, matchup in the first round. Uh, one that we talked about on the previous podcast, Arkansas and Illinois, but you know, I certainly didn't enter the tournament with the thought of fading Southeastern Conference teams because Southeastern Conference behind the Big 12, you know, they can claim along with maybe the Big 10 and the Big East uh, the uh, title of being the second best conference in the country. But, uh, man, this just, uh, again, you've got an Auburn team uh, favored by one here over an Iowa team. And Auburn, much like Arkansas, you know, they've got the athletes, but they've left me wanting for for more, uh, I guess is a way to put it, more often than not this season. Um, You know, I I just think this this Iowa team, although, again, they've lost double-digit games. I think think they've lost 13, 19, and 13 perhaps entering the tournament. They've got the best offensive player uh, in this game, Chris uh, Murray, averaging a shade over 20 points a game. He'll be the best uh, player on the uh, floor. I just think uh, Iowa's uh, body of work, I like it a little bit more uh, than Auburn's, so I'll take the point, uh, take the Hawkeyes plus one over Auburn. All right, so Paul Stone with the Hawkeyes there. Again, his brother uh, with the Keegan Murray with the uh, Sacramento Kings, one of the reasons uh, that they are in first place, uh, a surprise first place uh, in their division, about to cash a big ticket to win uh, that division. Bruce, again, uh, 9-8 seed uh, matchup here. And, boy, the uh, the styles in both of these teams, I can see them getting up and down here uh, in this matchup also. Yeah, uh, but I think Paulie's right here. I mean, uh, you know, Auburn down the stretch, listen, only uh, uh, they, they can get up and down the court, but they don't always shoot it that well. Uh, the backcourt play, kind of erratic. Only 4-19, and 19, I'm sorry, 4-19, and 4-9, their last 13, entering uh, the dance. So they weren't playing all that well down uh, the stretch. Uh, Pearl made a, a nice stab in the portal. There, there weren't a lot of real quality bigs in the portal. I mean, there's more guards anyway, and there certainly were more guards available in the portal. 
But Johnny Broom out of Moorhead State, that was a really good pickup for, for Pearl. And he gave them their inside game, and he gave them some presence down on the blocks. But uh, Paul's right. They were just a little bit too erratic for my taste down the stretch. Now, you could sort of say that the same about Iowa. They weren't necessarily steaming themselves down the stretch here off of losses to Nebraska and Ohio State, their last two games into the dance here. But it was just a couple weeks ago. I mean, the, the, the upside is pretty high for this team. They went into Indiana and blew out the uh, blew out the Hoosiers a couple of weeks ago on the road. Uh, you mentioned about uh, Murray and his ability to score, uh, and they do get up and down the court pretty quickly. I like Iowa's offense a little bit more. Uh, I, I think Iowa, you know, potentially is a team that can make a pretty deep run here if things start to go right. I just don't think Auburn's going to get out of sub-regional weekend or even this game. So, uh, like Paulie, I lean a little bit to uh, the Hawkeyes. Yeah, the Hawkeyes finished the uh, the home and home sweep of the Hoosiers right after the Hoosiers finished the home and home sweep of Purdue. And I mean, at a, I mean, where their fan base was all a season high and maybe for, I don't know, the last 15 or 20 years a high, but it was brought back to reality uh, really quick. So again, uh, Paul with the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes uh, plus the one point right now uh, at Bet Rivers. Second game of Thursday PM slate, 710 Eastern tip. The Duke Blue Devils, boy, never. Are we really saying that Duke might have been shortchanged here? They all play an excellent first-year coach, Shire. No matter how long he was on the bench for Coach K beforehand, it's still his first year. And, hey, got to give him credit. How a team progresses from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, they're much better. Now, the ACC, got to admit, it's about as weak as it's been in quite some time. Duke at Bet Rivers right now, 6.5-146 over number 12 seed or Roberts. My goodness, this is a great matchup in the first round. 5-12 here. Oral Roberts is going to push the pace. They're a 30-game winner at 30-4, and four, and they're no stranger to the tournament as well, Paul. Yeah, no question. Oral Roberts is going to shoot a whole lot of threes. They're going to try to push the pa- uh, the pace, as you said. Uh, they, they don't want it. They would rather have uh, – uh, Kyle Filipowski, the big man for Duke, the great true freshman, averaged 15 and a half points and nine rebounds. They would rather have him uh, in a, a fast-paced game than a half-court game. So, Oral Roberts will do everything they can to uh, to make it an up-tempo affair. And we will all probably remember last year this Oral Roberts team, or not last year, the year before, rather, two years ago, they upset uh, Ohio State in Florida in the first two rounds of the tournament to advance to the Sweet 16. So uh, they do have, although a lot of those players are gone, they do have, uh, you know, some recent memories of uh, positive happenings here in the tournament. 30-4 and four on the season, uh, Oral Roberts got blown out at Houston, 81-83, rather, 83-45, to 45, so lost by almost 40 at Houston. But their other losses, all on the road, uh, by 10 or fewer points to St. Mary's, Utah State, in New Mexico. So uh, an old Roberts team that is quite intriguing. A lot of people, you know, were maybe down on Duke a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but I think now their stock has risen. Uh, They certainly uh, are playing at a higher uh, level, defeated Virginia uh, fairly easily in the ACC conference tournament uh, final. And again, um, I think they want to, uh, you know, slow the pace. They want to make it a half-court game. Uh, they want to, you know, get Oral Roberts, uh, you know, cool their, to cool their jets a little bit. I made it six. Um, I would like to see seven, and I might think about Oral Roberts at seven. But anything less than seven with Duke's uh, 
level of play right now, their current trajectory, I'll probably stay away and just watch this one. And, Paul, you made that uh, that comment earlier how you think that the tournament, there are more um, dog players. And, you know, everybody, they, they're the stars of the, early, you know, the first the first weekend as sort of these obscure, uh, you know, not household names taking on the big boys with uh, that much more budget resources, the whole bit. And that's been confirmed by a lot of our uh, contributors, including Troy Macker, uh, you know, content manager for Bet Rivers. He says, no question, the dogs are more of a popular play uh, against the spread in these first two rounds. And, man, that's six and a half. Jeez, Duke or Roberts? Bruce, really? I don't care what kind of transition Duke's going through. The branding there tells you, please give me uh, Oral Roberts. But I was thinking maybe more 16 and a half than six and a half. It's kind of a tight line. Uh, it's exactly where it uh, it opened up at Bent Rivers. Yeah. See, I remember Oral Roberts when they used to be called the Titans. And I actually remember the real Oral Roberts watching them on TV. And uh, this team got to the final eight, the Elite Eight in 1974, and took Kansas to overtime. Uh, and by the way, they played that Elite Eight and that regional on their home floor in, in Tulsa there with Richie Fuqua, the guard who scored a lot of points. So they've sort of been to the dance before, and certainly recently, two years ago, we talked about that a second ago, what they did, and Paul mentioned those two games that they won. Max Aspas, the guard, uh, I am surprised he stuck around Oral Roberts. I'm sure he was enticed to go somewhere else, so maybe they've sort of figured this thing out at Oral Roberts, too, to keep this guy around because he's a big-time scorer. Uh, he became sort of a, 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 a media sensation a couple of years ago when Oral Roberts made that run. Uh, Conover, the big kid, transferred in from Arkansas. He gives him an interesting threat, a guy over seven foot who likes to shoot threes like that. Uh, but Paul mentioned that game against Houston where – uh, Oral Roberts got uh, ripped, and Asmus in that game really struggled. He's only one for 13 from the floor. So uh, that will give uh, Duke players a little bit of uh, – Duke betters a little bit of encouragement here. Uh, Duke scares me right now. This should not be a five seed. I mean, this is one of these the, – the committee had sort of decided before the weekend, I think, oh, this is where we're going to put Duke. Duke's playing like a two or a three right now. Um, and Jeremy Roach, I, I've said all year, I know all these freshmen are great, Filipowski and them, and Lively – but Roach is the guy who's going to take these guys somewhere, and he looked really good in the ACC tournament. He had an injury uh, late January there, so he missed a few games, but he's back 23 points against Virginia in the finale. I kind of like Duke here, and uh, like you said, Jimmy, this is a lower number than we're used to seeing in this sort of a matchup, but I think it's too low. I think it's adjusted too much the other way. All right, uh, so Bruce Marshall with the Blue Devils, uh, minus a six and a half on that one. 725 Eastern tip, number two Texas, winners of the Big 12 Conference Tournament in a big way. I mean, smashing Kansas uh, in the final there. 13 and a half in 147. Actually opened up at Bed Rivers at 14, just a half point down at 13 and a half, 147. Over number 15 seed, Colgate. Paul? Yeah, you know, when Texas is at its best, which it – has been throughout the month of March. You know, it looks every bit the the part of a team that could, uh, you know, cut the nets down in Houston uh, the first Monday in April. Colgate plays in the Patriot League. Um, again, it's a little bit difficult, uh, from my perspective anyway, to have a clear read uh, on just how good those teams are because they don't have that many opportunities to go against uh, upper echelon-type opponents. Uh, the Patriots did, however. They beat Syracuse. Uh, by 12 at Syracuse in mid-November. Uh, they lost later, though, by 12 at Penn. 
lost by 27 at Auburn. One thing Colgate does, though, that can really be the great equalizer in college basketball is they can shoot the three-pointer. They lead the entire nation in three-point percentage at 41%. And again, that three-pointer, uh, it, it can uh, when these uh, uh, Davids, uh, you know, go after the uh, Goliath, so to speak. The three-pointer is usually behind, uh, you know, some of those uh, great upsets. So if Colgate can shoot the three-pointer, uh, they could they could have a chance here to uh, to knock off uh, the Longhorns or keep this game close anyway. But at 13 and, uh, 13 and a half, I think uh, we said that at Bet Rivers, that's right where I had the uh, the line uh, on this game. So I just don't really see any great advantage. Uh, Bruce pointed out sometimes that the higher seed teams can come out tight sometimes, and, uh, you know, that that's a little bit of a concern too. Colgate, again, a great three-point shooting team. Texas hadn't been quite as good defensively uh, this year, uh, especially since uh, Chris Beard was uh, – uh, eventually uh, terminated uh, in the early part of the the new year, but uh, they're getting they seem to be getting better on the defensive end. They seem to be guarding the perimeter a little bit better. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Colgate indeed uh, does behind that three point arc against the Longhorns. Bruce, this was supposed to be a hell of a run for the Texas Longhorns. Chris Beard. That's three ways to you know to uh, build a roster, and that is. You know, through the transfer portal, recruiting at the high school level, and maintain the players on your existing roster. And he had success at all three levels. We know he can coach. Man, when he was let go, I I would have bet uh, I would have bet uh, over as far as the seed that they would get. Interim coach deserves a job. Hasn't been named official yet, but I just don't see how they can't do it unless they want to see how he's going to do in a tournament. But a number two seed season, my goodness. Uh, and his team is, man, he's held it together way better than I anticipated because I really do respect uh, Chris Beard, uh, you know, with his, you know, with him getting the most out of his roster. Yeah, Rodney Terry, you know, he's he's got experience as a head coach. He was at Fresno. He got the Bulldogs to the tournament. He left there for a lot of people thought it was a lateral move, but UTEP is a better job than Fresno nowadays. So he was down at UTEP for a few years, and then he got a chance to come work here. For Chris Beard, here he is now uh, stepping in as the interim, and I think he may get this thing on the permanent basis. Like you said, though, Jimmy, they're going to wait to see how they do in the tournament. By the way, just as an aside here, I think Texas holds the whole key to the coaching carousel and how much it spins just in case they don't keep Terry and they go poach a coach from somewhere else that starts a chain reaction dominoes start falling you could see four or five jobs end up uh, changing just because Texas makes that move if they keep Terry then they're not going to be involved in that sort of a chain reaction so just you know consider that for the coaching carousel coming up this is going to sound a little contradictory because I think Texas is a threat Uh, I'd watch Timmy Allen's injury though uh, he missed the Big 12 tournament. I think they need him in there, but they didn't need him in, in uh, Kansas City. And, and taking out Kansas and hammering Kansas for the second time in their backyard, too, in Kansas City, very, very impressive. This team could get to the Final Four and win it all, especially if they get Allen back. But let me note about uh, Colgate. This isn't the uh, Raiders' first time at the rodeo. Uh, this is actually their fourth straight tournament they've been in. Uh, 2019, they gave Tennessee, a really good Tennessee team, a heck of a battle. Uh, uh, two years ago against Arkansas. They were hanging around in that game until very late. Last year, hanging right in there with Wisconsin all the way. So in the tournament, they've they've played 
they've played pretty well. They had a little bit of adjustment lineup-wise this year. They had to make, but Matt Langell, their coach, who is getting some mention from some, for some of these other jobs, he's been mentioned as a potential coach at Notre Dame. Paul mentioned how well they shoot from threes, the best three-point shooting team in the country, second only to Gonzaga overall, 51% from the floor. Uh, and uh, Oliver Lynch-Daniels, top three-point shooter in the country, over 50%, at least percentage-wise. But they spread the floor so well because records, their 6'10 center around the bucket, he hits about 67% from the floor. He doesn't shoot much more outside of five feet, but you've got to defend him in the paint, and that makes you... You can't just commit all your resources to the perimeter against these guys. I think Colgate's a spot here. I mean, I, and I think they're going to, this is one of these, you know, Texas off the high of the Big 12 tournament, tough team to face. Texas can survive this and make a deep run. That, I hope that doesn't sound contradictory, but that's just the way I see this one. I think Colgate gives you a, gives you a shot here. And I think it's worth uh, extra consideration to maybe back them as a pick, but also you know, some of these one-and-done um, entries into this tournament aren't strangers uh, to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, we're talking about Aura Roberts and Colgate and, and Charleston and, and some others. So, you know, it uh, it worked out to where they, they have some familiarity as a program on just what to expect approach-wise. And so I think that's um, – and, and it's certainly the part where, you know, nothing to lose type of approach. And if they could play a lot looser than some of the favorite, um, you know, the, uh, the, big, the bigger conferences. This is the only one I'm going to get out of chronological order, Paul. I don't know if you know where I'm going to skip. But Texas, if they win, will play the winner of Texas A&M in Penn State. How did that work out, huh? Of course, Paul Stone comes to us from Texas. And, boy, I was, I was in uh, Hoover. Um, when they announced that Oklahoma and Texas might be coming to the SEC. And the A&M uh, media representatives and personnel, they're like, BS, no, it's never happening. Well, you know, they, they had, you know, th- these teams don't like each other. How about this, a possible matchup? This is a 9.55 Eastern tip. A&M opened up a two-and-a-half point favorite. It's been uh, raised up to three, three and 134-and-a-half. A&M's a seven seed over the number 10 seed, Penn State, of course, the obvious, and both teams made a run uh, in a respectable finals finish uh, in their conference tournaments. A&M losing to Alabama. Penn State almost stealing the Purdue game. You know, I mentioned a week ago uh, on a spot, I said, you know, the, the way the committee likes to do things, I said, wouldn't it be something if Texas got matched against Texas A&M in the second round? But I said, it's not going to happen because A&M seed, you know, Texas is going to be a two seed. A&M seed is going to be too high for that to happen. But I think of all the seedings, although I'm not a huge seedings guy, although I pay attention to them, I certainly paid attention to their seeding. I, I think they got shortchanged a little bit here. You know, they uh, they played really well down the stretch. Obviously got off to a slow start, did the Aggies. They really uh, stumbled out of the gate. And I think the uh, tournament committee clearly looks at the entire body of work and maybe doesn't give the, uh, you know, the point of occurrence, the, uh, the final half of the season or the conference season, maybe as much credence as we handicappers do. But I thought the Aggies got shortchanged there. But we're talking about A&M, Penn State, first of all, on Thursday – uh, and both these teams advanced to their conference tournament final, both losing uh, A&M by 19 to Alabama, Penn State by only two points uh, to Purdue. And I look at this game and I look at Jalen Pickett, uh, again, a guy who can carry a team 
and he could certainly do it in the tournament. Averages 18 points a game, uh, which is nice. Not a super high-scoring per, uh, you know, average uh, at first glance, but he had 41 points earlier this season against Illinois. Uh, backed that game up with 32 points in his next game against Minnesota. So he clearly is the kind of guy who can carry a team. Uh, I thought this line was a little bit uh, too heavy. Uh, I like the way A&M's playing, uh, but I think the three simply, uh, you know, too much to pass up. I'll take the Nittany Lions plus the points over Texas A&M. Yeah, interesting uh, that uh, you talk about Pickett. I mean, uh, two, uh, two back to the uh, basket players. One guy was about a foot taller than the other when, in that Big Ten final, but, I mean, he loves to back down their opponents and play that uh, low post game and kind of feed off of that. That was amazing. Uh, but I got to tell you what, uh, Zach Eady, too, that's the closest to Ralph Sampson I've seen in the last two games as far as how dominant a big guy can be. He was unstoppable against Ohio State and Purdue in the semi and final in the Big Ten tournament. Here we go, A&M. And so Buzz Peterson, Bruce, it's like year four is the magic number, huh? whether it is Marquette or Virginia Tech here in College Station. And what Paul was talking about, what, what do you value more? Man, really poor scheduling and poor performance non-conference-wise by A&M. As far as the NET is concerned, we talk about it a lot, but they also have the NET conferences. SEC was number three behind the Big 12 and the Big 10 as far as strength of conferences. And, man, they, uh, they're they one game behind Alabama uh, in the standings there final. A&M against Penn State. Yeah. Uh, Buzz Williams here. Uh, you got Peterson in there on us. I'm sorry. North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got Buzz Williams. Uh, you know, funny, you mentioned about uh, when th- that, that news came of uh, Texas and Oklahoma going. I happened to be at the ACC media day in Charlotte when that news broke, when you were down in Hoover. And that stopped everything in the ACC. There was no conversation about anything else once that news dropped. So that was obviously a bombshell for what that's worth. Um and uh, Paul Paul Stone is right. They got uh, underseeded here. And actually, I, I sort of like that. Once in a while, the, the, the committee does this here, and there's a little devilish streak they can have. And I think, yeah, they, they had to think, this might not be too bad to put Texas and Texas A&M together in the second round. I mean, they did that long ago. Remember, Kentucky and Louisville kept missing each other for years. They wouldn't play in the regular season. And in the 82 tournament, they set those two up to meet in the second round. Kentucky ended up losing, though, to Middle Tennessee. So sometimes they have a little devilish streak, and I think that's what they had here. I wish AM did not draw Penn State, though. Um, and you guys talk about Pickett, and he has been really good. Uh, Seth Lundy, too. Lundy is now up to, like, being a late first-round pick projected in the NBA. So you got two guards who can really do something. AM, if it has the lead late, uh, I, I, I sort of like that if they're ahead because they shoot free throws so well. And Wade Taylor four has been as good as any scorer in the uh, in the SEC lately. Uh, I mean, he's been putting up a lot of points, and this offense has been putting up some uh, good numbers with Taylor. They don't shoot threes all that great. That non-conference mark, I thought a lot. A uh, buzz really geared this team, and his team rallied late last year too. They geared for the SEC, and he had a couple of those transfers. Dennis. Uh, coming in uh, from Wichita and Marvel, uh, coming in from Michigan State to kind of work them into the rotations. And that's why they lost some games in November and December. But they were tough in, uh, when they got to January. But I agree with Paul Stone. I think Penn State is just a little too dangerous here right now, and they're hot. And I just wish Texas A&M didn't draw this, this uh, as its first uh, 
opponent because I was thinking Texas A&M. I still think they might go on a run here, but I'm not enthused about laying the points. I think Polestone's right. Maybe take Penn State here. All right, and already a fa- uh, you know a little early tick from opening up two and a half up to three right now at Bent River. So both Paul and Bruce uh, in on Penn State plus the points there. Getting back seven thirty five Eastern tip number seven seed Northwestern one and a half one twenty eight with that outstanding a uh, backcourt against the number ten seed Boise State Broncos who can be boy they, you never know what you're getting. Uh, from them, even uh, in game. So the uh, again, outstanding backcourt Northwestern out of the Big Ten, one and a half and one twenty-eight. Paul. Yeah, you know this Northwestern team. First of all, they seemingly like a lot of teams in the major conferences. They kind of limp into the tournament. They've lost four of their past five. But you look at those losses. Two of those losses uh, in overtime to fellow tournament entry, uh, who we were just talking about, Penn State. And then another of those losses uh, by just four points at tournament-bound Illinois. Uh, Northwestern, you know, you look at their their ceiling, so to speak. Uh, they beat number one-ranked uh, Purdue by six earlier this season in Evanston in mid-February. They took Indiana down twice, so they have some uh, quality victories. And much like the position I find myself uh, in towards the Southeastern Conference, kind of fading going against teams from that conference. Uh, the Mountain West teams, uh, it's a little more natural to fade these teams. I think Bruce mentioned uh, they've lost um, – he mentioned eight in a row. That I, I was going to research that and then get around to it, but I certainly, uh, you know, trust that, and that does sound correct. So this, t- this conference has not had uh, success in the tournament, and um, even though it's one and a half, I don't want it to get up to two. I'd take it now. I'll take the Wildcats out of the Big Ten, uh, the conference with a better uh, pedigree to uh, beat a, a team from the Mountain West Conference, which frankly just hadn't had any recent success in the NCAA tournament. All right, Bruce. Yeah, and uh, Boise has never won a game in the tournament. 0-8, that goes back a long time ago when Bobby Dye was the coach and they got in the tournament. And uh, Leon Rice, who, by the way, is one of my favorite coaches. You go to these media days, you talk to him. He's my favorite. One of the best guys, and it's a great deal Boise's got. He could get. He's had a chance to get hired away. He likes living there. He likes going uh, fishing, uh, and he comes from Gonzaga. He's one of uh, Mark Few's uh, old aides there, so uh, he knows what he's doing. Um, what bothers me about Boise this year, and watching them a lot, I mean, they had a rather incredible stretch at the end of the season where they were winning games but not covering point spreads, and and when they're trying to hold a lead late. Uh, the offense has to create almost all of their points. Marcus Shaver, the guard, is really the only guy who creates anything off the dribble. But when their offense isn't looking to score late and looking to run clock, and then they compress their shot selection into about six or seven seconds, it doesn't work. And that's why they kept blowing leads down the stretch. And that's why UNLV came back on them in the in the Mountain West champion uh, first round or, or second round in quarterfinal. So that bothers me about Boise a little bit, uh, and that Shaver is the only guy who really creates off the dribble. Uh, uh, Paul Stone mentioned a couple of those guards, Bowie and Audage, who are really good defensively. They get they get after it. Uh, I think Paul might be right here. I think I think Northwestern's probably the side to look at. Um, uh, Boise did not close that well. They lost a game pretty big to Utah State. Uh, and the regular season finale had to struggle against UNLV and then got whipped by Utah State again, blowing a second-half lead. 
I think Northwestern matches up pretty well with Boise, so I'm probably leaning that way like Paul. All right, a couple, uh, another double pick uh, by Bruce and Paul on that one. Let's get to the number one seed, 920 Eastern on Thursday night tip. Uh, Houston, the number one seed, they um, they have one to uh, play with, uh, kind of like uh, Kansas did. They lost their tournament final, but still got a number one seed. And actually, Houston, a higher seed overall than uh, Kansas, forcing them to travel a little bit. 19 and 122 and a half in their opening uh, opening game against number 16, Northern Kentucky. The million-dollar question with the Houston Cougars as they get into the tournament, do they have enough offense? And we know they could defend and rebound as good as anybody, probably the best in defending and rebound. Seven wins, however, combined the last two NCAA tournaments, Paul. You know, like you mentioned, like Kansas, Houston loses uh, in their conference championship game. But also, like Kansas, they were shorthanded. I mean, Houston played without uh, American Athletic Conference Player of the Year, Marcus uh, Sasser, who strained his growing actually in the conference tournament semifinals. And there's some question whether he'll be ready to to, to go here on Thursday night. So that's going to be kind of the $64,000 question in this particular game for the Cougars. And then Kansas obviously didn't have their coach, Big Bill Self, uh, also Kevin McCullers. Uh, didn't play for Kansas either against Texas, so just pointing that information out. Uh, without Sasser on Sunday, yesterday, Houston loses by 10 to Memphis there in Fort Worth in the uh, AAC Conference Tournament Final. And like you said as well, they didn't have much to play for. You look at this Northern Kentucky team coming in as a 16 team. They did defeat Cincinnati at home by 13 early in the season, uh, but they also lost at home by 22 to Kent State. Uh, the Golden Flashes, the Mac, who will also be in the tournament, and we'll be talking about them in a future podcast this week. Northern uh, Kentucky clearly going to be outclassed. Uh, with, with Sasser's, you know, status up in the air uh, and the hefty number, you know, I just don't really have any interest in this game. Uh, but certainly it will be interesting to see if Sasser indeed plays how much he plays, and if he does play, how he plays. So uh, I'll be watching this one, but no betting interest at this point. All right, Bruce. I actually might give the Norse a, a little bit of a look here. Uh, uh, Sasser, Houston's a team that could have used getting in the Friday, uh, uh, Sunday cycle instead of Thursday, Saturday, give Sasser another day to perhaps uh, a heal. But I wouldn't be surprised if they hold him out completely in this game because – uh, strained groins, uh, that, that's usually not something you recover from really quick and they can get re-aggravated. Um, so he may not be there. And he, you know, he is their main threat. They didn't look that good against Memphis without him. But here's the thing, down the stretch, uh, Houston looked kind of bored to me uh, in, in many of its games. They weren't covering numbers. I mean, they're only 4-9, and nine, their last 13 against the spread. Uh, I don't think Northern Kentucky is that bad. Uh, Paul mentioned, uh, yeah, Kent State, that was in the opener. They got uh, beat by Kent State, who's really good. Um, at home there, they did beat Cincinnati, uh, which was a nearby rival for the Norse. Uh, so they did play an American team pretty well. Uh, Warwick is a very, very good guard. Uh, they they force a lot of turnovers. Uh, they turn you over about a quarter of the time, so they will pressure Houston there. And this is not a really smooth-running offense, especially without uh, Sasser. I know Houston's defense is great. Under a possibility here for me, too, but plus a lot of points. I actually see Houston struggling a bit in this game. They'll put them away late, but you're getting about 20, maybe no Sasser. They're not covering numbers. Um, I think this is a, a spot maybe for Northern Kentucky. 
Yeah, I'd be surprised. You know, quads, groins, and uh, and hamstrings. I mean, time. You can treat them, dry needle them, all that kind of stuff. But still, time is the best uh, healing, and you really risk it if you uh, for re-injury. So it's a, a tricky deal. But I would think that they would like to keep him out of this one sixteen first matchup on Thursday night. Tennessee and ULL number four seed Volunteers ten and a half one thirty six and a half over the thirteen uh, Raging Cajuns of ULL Bob. Marlins team. He's brought, uh, this is the second uh, different team. The second time he's brought the Raging Cages to the NCAA tournament. Second different program that he's brought there. Tennessee, again, they lose Ziegler. Uh, they did get uh, they did get Josiah Jones back as well, though, uh, about the same time. Ten and a half point favorites over ULL. Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier, uh, you know, Tennessee had already started to, uh, you know, kind of falter a little bit from its early season uh, shine that it had. In college basketball, I mean, man, this stuff started on November 7th. It's important to, to point out, uh, we've been going at it for four months, and these teams are going to have ups and downs, and, and they're going to kind of have different uh, different appearances at different points in the season, and they could still get a second win. But Tennessee was already starting to take in a little water, now they lose their standout point guard, Ziegler, as you uh, mentioned. This is a guy who averages 11 points, 5.4 assists, uh, 2.7 rebounds, and two steals a game. So that's a lot of production that's really difficult to replace. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a little bit tentative on Tennessee, even in this game. I did watch Louisiana play shortly after uh, Chris Beard had been initially suspended back in mid December, watched them play uh, shortly before Christmas against Texas. And, boy, I tell you, the Longhorns just took it to them. They, they trailed that game, did Louisiana, I believe, by 22 at the half. They lost by 28. But, you know, you really, again, you can't just look at one game, uh, and that's a talented Longhorn team playing on uh, their home floor. I'd really like to back the Raging Cajuns here, uh, but I'm probably going to need 11 or more before I start thinking too seriously about – risking that hard-earned jambalaya or gumbo on the boys from Lafayette. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to wait and see what happens. And if it gets to 11, I, I might take Louisiana. But that would be the only um, side for me in this game uh, based on the look of the, of the squads currently. All right, Brucey again. Uh, Tennessee, it's another team. Do they have enough firepower to make a run? And well, the NET just would not let them go from that uh, strong ranking that they had for much of the season being a top three. And even as the biggest skid of uh, the season, uh, they still held to be a top five NET team. Yeah, I mean, they had a couple of really good wins. They got one over Alabama, too, but uh, I agree with you. Uh, uh, and, and, Paul, it's it's uh, the Raging Cajuns are – Nothing for me here. I always wonder, uh, you know, Rick Barnes' teams at, at Tennessee in particular, they've bumped their head at the Sweet 16. I'm not sure this team's going to even get that far. Um, and I always wonder, you know, who they, they they seem to always like that really one go-to scorer. Uh, even when he's had – even that team with uh, Grant Williams a couple of years – a few years ago, they got to the Sweet 16. I, you know, even then they didn't have that one real guy, uh, a big-time score, and they certainly don't have it this year. I mean, who do we look at now? Is it Viscovi? I don't think so, 12 per game. Uh, Jordan James, uh, although I will say this, um, it, it, Barnes has been dealt a, 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 a bad hand by injuries uh, because uh, when uh, uh, Jordan James is in, uh, his ability to spread the floor when he was paired with Ziggler, but – 
uh, Jordan James missed a chunk of games in December and missed another chunk in January. And he comes back, and soon enough, then Ziggler gets hurt, your point guard. So, I mean, they haven't really had all the pieces there at one time. And that little uh, spot where it looked like they were able to spread the floor lice and they might be able to get the offense going. Now, without Ziggler, I mean, this is really going to be a problem for Barnes. So I think they're going to struggle. I'm, I'm fading Tennessee. I've been fading them for a while here. They haven't been covering a lot of numbers lately. Uh, we'll see about the Raging Cajuns. Jordan Brown, very interesting. 6'11 kid, very high recruit out a California prep, went to Nevada right out of high school. Uh, Steve Alford's first year. Then he went down to Arizona. Didn't really stick at either spot, but Bob Marlin has brought something out of this kid. He's scoring about 20 per game. So he does give them a go-to threat here. But this is more of an anti-Tennessee for me. Um I mean, they, they've lost a lot of games, too. And they went out kind of meekly against Missouri in the uh, SEC tournament. So it's probably Raging Cages. If it stays 10.5, that's what they're going to give you. I'll still take it. I, I might wait around for 11, but I wouldn't worry about taking 10.5 either. I think this could be a close game. Yeah, uh, one thing that ULL is not going to have a problem with is matching up size-wise. They do have some size. And as you talked about, uh, that's one kid that uh, Marlon brought in and has developed. Uh, so... They're uh, they've been uh, pretty good both in the regular season and uh, in the tournament where they won in Pensacola over South Alabama, yeah, in Tennessee, and and, and just the, the one thing about it, Ziegler had the ball in his hands every possession. You know, he was the guy that started their possession, their best ball handler, and so that's the biggest adjustment they're trying to make. But their struggles, their slide, I would even call it, uh, began before he went down with the injury. All right, last game on the schedule for the Thursday night games, and that is the number two seed, UCLA Bruins. Man, looked like they were on their way to being one of the real threats to win it all, but then, you know, lost their best defender, then lost a big man in the uh, conference tournament. They had another guy fall out in the the Pac-12 tournament final against Arizona and still almost pulled it out. UCLA, 10.05 Eastern tip, the last game on the schedule on Thursday night. UCLA, uh, 18, half over at UNC Asheville. Yeah, UCLA is another team that uh, dramatically impacted, obviously, by a major injury entering the tournament. Uh, they lose junior guard Jalen Clark uh, against uh, – Arizona back on March 4th, uh, a guy who averages 13 points, six rebounds, uh, two and a half uh, steals a game, and two assists. So that kind of production, uh, some of it's going to be replaced, but all of it won't be replaced. So uh, that's a difficult loss for the Wildcats there. You look at this North Carolina Asheville team, they're going to be completely outclassed here. Uh, They lost by 23 at Dayton in the non-conference, lost by 34 at Arkansas. Uh, both of those games on the road. This might be a game I really don't, for the full game handicap, I don't really have any opinion on the side or the total. But uh, if UCLA maybe starts slowly, uh, comes out of the gate uh, clunking, you know, clanking some shots, I might look at taking the Bruins in game or maybe at halftime. Uh, but full game, this will be a stay away for me. Percy? Yeah, you know, I was uh, really skeptical uh, going into the Pac-12 tournament without uh, Jalen Clark, like Paul Stone mentioned. I mean, this is your your best defender, your second top scorer, and a team that is not that big on the perimeter to begin with. And and, and the depth, I mean, Mick doesn't go to his bench uh, all that much. That seemed like a really bad blow to me. I like the way they played, though, in Las Vegas last week. I think they can overcome Clark. I don't know if they can keep losing guys every game. The 6'10 freshman, though, Adam Bona, who had come on pretty nicely, 
uh, hurt. He's apparently going to be ready to go this weekend. Oh, yes, okay. So that's the latest that we're hearing. So I expect him to be in there. And you also saw the freshman Amari Bailey, very highly touted, start to put up some decent numbers as well. This team showed me some resilience there, the way they fought against Arizona. Uh, I think they've got a steely resolve after losing that game to North Carolina. They led much of the way last year in the Sweet 16. I mean, the Bruins thought they were going to get back to the Final Four last year. Jaquez and Campbell, you've got your senior core there uh, leading them. Uh, I, I Listen, UCLA, I still think – I'm i convinced now they can still make a run as long as Bona comes back. And like Paul Stone said – uh, Asheville got really hammered on the road against State and Arkansas this year. Pember, their big guy, is their main threat. They're not going to be able to keep pace here. And I think UCLA puts its nose to the grindstone here. You know, 18 and a half, 19, uh, that's, that's not too high. I think UCLA can handle this number. It, what a luxury to have two guys like Campbell and Hawkes who have been so deep in the tournament to, for so many years and to have that continuity. And also, I'll, I mean, Hawkes is matched up with Balo on the defensive end sometimes uh, in this game and that, that final against Arizona. Um, he does whatever they need to do, whether it is creating sort of from a point forward uh, perspective or just, you know, the offensive glass pounding that he, that he is just a guy that's going to do whatever his team needs at that spot. And yeah, they do have a, a slasher in Bailey who's kind of coming on. And even in a loss, man, I mean, Arizona, Arizona should not have struggled that much. And I don't know what you guys think of, uh, of Lloyd, you know, on the bench, but, uh, it seems like Cronin got a little bit more out of his roster, than Lloyd did in that game for it to come down to a, you know, one shot, uh, which was a very clean look for UCLA. I, I agree with you, uh, uh, Jimmy. And one other thing about UCLA, I got I should qualify this. I mean, they're, they're still top-level recruits they've got there, uh, even at the guys who didn't play a lot this year. When, when, when Cronin started to use some of those guys off the bench, almost all of them delivered uh, yeah. in the Pac-12 tournament. So, uh, you know, that, that's still a lot of blue-chip Talent there that maybe didn't play all that much, but it looks like he can go to several different guys on his bench if he needs it. Still, though, I, I, I mean, if they don't have Bona back, I mean, I think they're limited to how far they can go. If he comes back, uh, the, the depth thing isn't going to be that much of a problem for them. And I think they can play without Clark No, uh, now. I didn't think that last week, but I, now I think they can. Yeah, blew out an Oregon team who I thought a guy like Dana Altman might be able to take advantage and exploit that lack of depth because it's not a team that had a very deep rotation to begin with. But on the other side, Paul, it's is it a team that we've seen kind of exhaust exhaust a little bit of, you know, are they coming in limping? I mean, do they have a whole lot left in the tank after a deep run in a conference tournament? We, I, I've learned from a handicapping perspective, too, don't overreact either way or the other with a strong team that was one and done or early ousting uh, in the uh, conference tournament or a team that finished and, you know, was cutting down the banners. Uh, either way, it can go go one way or the other. I've seen a team like UConn win a tournament, and then it kept – they won six more games in the uh, whole uh, whole dance. And I've seen teams, what, like Syracuse uh, that won their tournament, that, uh, that great run, boom, one and done uh, in the NCAA tournament. Just some general thoughts there, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's hard to to put too much stock in a team that comes in uh, on a low uh, a low trajectory. Uh, you know, you, those teams can uh, come out of nowhere, and teams that are playing well, like you said, can lose right off the bat. 
And I, in the in spirit of full disclosure, I had Arizona plus one over UCLA on Saturday, and, and I was lucky. I mean, I, I do. I, I was impressed with the Bruins' performance without Clark. Uh, they've had a little time, you know, a, a few games to adjust to his absence. And as he said, you know, Mick Cronin, he's not, uh, uh, you know, on signing day, he's not bringing in guys from the back 40. You know, they're, they're going to be recruiting the, the – the top of the heap and, and high-level players and, uh, you know, what they lack in experience, they certainly don't lack in talent. So uh, they're going to put some people out there. And, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the guys that they uh, that they have already. I mean, when you have Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, I mean, you know, you'd rather have Jalen Clark as well. But they've got some talented yeah. guys. Some of these teams, you know, they've only got one or two guys that can score. You know, they can't score at three or four positions on the court. And UCLA, even Sands Clark, uh, without Clark, can uh, can do that. And they have two prolific players uh, and, and can score from pretty much uh, any position on the floor at any time. So I'm certainly not uh, discounting them. They're obviously not uh, as good as they would be if, if Clark were uh, were still healthy. Uh, but they do again. They've got some. They've got some other guys. They'll spread his shots around, and uh, you know his position will be filled by uh, multiple players, and some of that production will be replaced. And uh, you, you definitely can't count them out. They've got too much top-end talent. Yes, indeed. All right, so that's the Thursday p.m. Uh, schedule for the, uh, the the eight-game schedule for the NCAA tournament. Uh, if you missed it, the Thursday morning, the first eight games that uh, are scheduled to start are, are also available at the Sports Betters Paradise. If you missed that one, go back to that one. Uh, Paul and Bruce uh, with uh, several picks in those and the Friday a.m. and p.m. sessions coming up a little bit later. For Paul Stone and Bruce Marshall, this is the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.